The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it. Believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Trump or thin skin to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the counterfactual fallacy, also known as argumentum ad speculum, the speculative fallacy and hypothesis contrary to facts. So I think the speculative fallacy is quite a good name for this one, because basically Mm. it is when people speculate that if things were different, if situations were different, then a particular situation would happen uh, they 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 basically are saying they know the outcome in a hypothetical situation yeah. and there are times when that is possible um if, mm-hmm. for example if if someone has said what they plan to do if they get a job and then if you yeah. said well if that person gets a job they'll do this because they've already said that that's yeah. that's not contrary to facts where it's where it's a, right. a fallacy is where you don't really necessarily have a, a basis for saying it, or in some cases, the opposite might be true, and it's just as likely. Yeah, if you didn't get that job, and then you said, well, if I'd have got that job, I would have done it differently. There's no way of proving that. And you know, yeah, or more, that's, and it's almost more so, things, of, things that you might not even have control over. So if, I hadn't, if I'd got that job, then the company would have done much better. Um, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. that's something yeah. you can't necessarily control or don't have full control over. You, with your example, if if you could say if 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 I got that job, I would have more money. That's probably fair yeah. if it pays more than the than the um, job you have at the moment. So there are times yeah. when yeah. you can you can say if then, which makes sense, yeah. and you have facts to back it up. And there are times when you don't. So yeah. I have a couple of examples from Trump, which I'm going to kind of play one after the other because they're basically very similar to each other. Don't forget, that time they said, oh, Trump is saying these horrible things. He's going to get us into a war. You're going to have a war. If I wasn't elected, you'd be in a war. And President Obama essentially said the same thing. He was ready to go to war. You would have had a war and you would have lost millions, not thousands. You would have lost millions of people. And the second clip is this one. The economy would have been so bad had I not gotten elected. And it wasn't great under Obama. So he's saying if he hadn't been elected, then a particular thing would have happened. His claim for uh, us having a war, and he's talking about Korea in this instance, if he hadn't been elected, and and there could have been a war under Obama, and Obama was ready to go to war, is something that he said before. It's not true. Obama (laughs) looked at the situation in North Korea, saw that it was bad, considered the possibility of invading 
but decided yeah. actually that it wasn't a good idea because all kinds of bad things could happen. So he'd yeah. already ruled it out. But yeah, uh, Trump has said a number of times that that if it wasn't for him, there would have been a war with North Korea. Right. Um, there's and no... who knows? There, there could have, there, <laughs> there could, could still, still be, be one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. Um, no. And, and similarly for the economy. Uh, there's absolutely no evidence that if Trump hadn't got in that the economy would have been bad because the economy had yeah. been going up in the last yeah, years yeah. of, of yeah. Obama's presidency. So he's he's continued so an upward trend. And it's kind of the the other way of looking at those things he's often laid claim to when he said, you know, because of me, yeah. uh, planes fewer planes have crashed. <laughs> and it's kind of he's kind of said, you know, if you'd have continued to have had Obama, and if I hadn't have won, more planes would have crashed. It's that kind of idea, isn't it, with the economies? He's always taking credit for things that are generally going up. Yeah. So there is a definitely a uh, uh, bit of post hoc ergo propter hoc in there where he's mm. saying that these mm. things are due to him being in there. There's also, this is really kind of a, a specific case of a fallacy called denying the antecedent. We mentioned right. denying the antecedent very briefly before. It's a formal mm. logical fallacy, and it's uh, it's where you say P then Q, if not P, therefore not Q. So right. uh, as an yeah, example, yeah. you might say, if, it's rain, if it was raining, the sidewalk would be wet. It's not raining, yeah. therefore the sidewalk is not wet. And that's yeah. not the case because there's all kinds of other reasons why the sidewalk might be wet. Uh, yeah. So yeah. what he's yeah. saying is, I am president and we're not at war. If I wasn't yeah. president, we would be at war. We would be at war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and it's also a, a false dichotomy as well, isn't it? Because he's eliminated all of the other <laughs> yeah. pos- possibilities and just narrowed it down to the fact that, you know, you should thank the, your lucky stars that I am president because without me all sorts of corrupt things might have oh no wait a minute <laughs> what am i saying yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah he really does want he is covering all the bases isn't he both the positive side and the negative side both the positive the uh the if q, if if p then q and the negatives if not p then not q yeah yeah he's doing it all it can be used for kind of hypothesizing things that might happen in the future uh, mm-hmm. on the 3rd of november just before the elections in virginia trump tweeted virginia has the best unemployment and economic numbers in the history of the state if the democrats get in those numbers will go rapidly in the other direction on tuesday vote republican now yeah he was kind of ignoring the fact that um, virginia has a, a democratic governor and lieutenant governor and hasn't in fact elected a Republican statewide since 2009. But <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was basically saying it, the, the, the reason that their economic numbers and their unemployment is so great is because of the Republicans. Um, so you should keep the Republicans in office. Uh, and and the, the, the elections were essentially for the, um, the state Senate and the state house. And the Republicans did get in because Trump went to Virginia and uh, did a rally on behalf of the the people who were trying to get in, and and, and he was unsuccessful because people don't like him. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, so there was a bit of a blue wave in Virginia. So we'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll be able yep. to actually yep. see whether 
uh, he was right. And if the Democrats get in, the unemployment numbers and the economic numbers go in the other direction. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So uh, we're going to... boot this off with uh, Boris who uh, announced the election we're in full election, pre-election fever at the moment, well he, uh, Boris announced the election uh, on the 6th of November stepped outside number 10 Downing Street and said I've just been to visit the Majesty of the Queen, she invited me to dissolve the Parliament and begin an election um, process and then he kind of gave a speech and what he what it's included in that speech is um an argumentum ad speculum um which is not dissimilar to the second clip so let's hear this one and so it's been frankly mind-boggling in the last few weeks to see how parliament first first voted to approve this deal and then voted for delay and i'm afraid that it is clear that if parliament had its way then this country would not be leaving even on january the 31st. I'm afraid I also think that this delay is now bad for the country and for the economy. And with every week that goes by, uncertainty is deterring people from hiring new staff, from buying new homes, from making new investments. And if we can get this deal over the line with a sensible majority government, we certainly can, then we can release that pent-up flood of investment. Hundreds of billions are waiting to pour into the UK and we can inject a surge of confidence into our system. It's all speculation that I think the, the one they start off with is that if Parliament had 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 its way, the country would not be leaving even on January the 31st, which is some kind of convoluted um, tense arrangement, you know, grammatically speaking, <laughs> that we would only have learned if you'd learned French at school or did Latin. That's yeah. probably the the imperfect future, imperfect, future continuum. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Would not be this it's like that for the football commentators who always say that was always going to be going in. <laughs> so there's kind of a yeah, it yeah, it would have always been also, yeah, so how in what way has Parliament not had its way? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of if, what if happens it had, when yes, exactly. votes. <laughs> yeah, if it had its way, so the, what, <laughs> what he's what he's complaining about is that the the Parliament voted for the deal. They agreed with his uh, the deal that he that he came back triumphant, having scrubbed out the bits that the EU didn't like. You know, like the border between the economic border between the the uh, Britain and Ireland, and which were you know terrible uh, thing to have done, and then announced it to the Parliament. Parliament kind of went, yeah, okay, we agree with that. And then what we don't agree with is that we've got to get through all this legislation in three days. If to the re- if you and like we said last episode, it'd take you three days just to read the deal. It is several hundreds of pages long, and they were expected to um, vote through on every single point that had been raised, every single nuance, and every change that he had brought about since Theresa May's deal, the one that people voted out three times, including him, and. Um, so that yeah, so that that's how Parliament had its way. It was doing parliamentary things, and what? And I don't get <laughs> the, how Parliament had not had its way because they had had its way. Because and then he attributed them 
the 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 the, whole, the notion of Parliament blocking him in his thwarting him in his efforts to get us out of the EU, EU that uh, he would say he'd rather die in a ditch than see happen. You know, the ditch is feeling a bit let down at the moment. He's going, you know, you even lied to me. So, uh, so yeah, so it, it's very odd. So the, it has had its way. And the, the whole thing about it won't be leaving even on January 31st, that's, that's an allusion to the fact we got another extension. He had to go, um, he has to write to the EU and say, uh, I want, we need another extension. And then he wrote another letter saying, yeah, we don't really. And yeah. yeah so, my, and then the other. My mum made yeah. that one. My mum made me write it, yeah. <laughs> you signed not my really, mum. sorry. Yeah, yeah, not, not really, yeah. Sorry, not really. Yeah, yeah, sad, not sad. The, um, and the other bit is, I think, which is the, the uh, speculatory bit, is that this will release the pent-up flood of investments. Hundreds of millions are waiting to come mm-hmm. and invest in Britain. Well, like the um, Tesla factory that... Um, uh, Elon Musk has decided not to build in Britain because of Brexit. So he was going to build a gigafactory. I guess that's, yeah, that's slightly a, bigger than a mega it's factory. a million factories, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it a, yeah. No, it's more than that. It? It's it's a million, million, because if a, oh, yeah, a killer have, factory is a thousand, yeah. a mega's a million. No. No, million. you're right. No, it's yeah. a thousand, thousand, yeah, yeah. Right. Or 1,024 uh, yeah. times 1,024 anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of of factories. Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna build one of those or a, a million, um, but now he isn't. So that's some of the hundreds of millions of stuff. Well, it's all anyway. It's all speculation because every time Boris opens his mouth, it's he's the the speculation is oh is he going to say something true <laughs> and and he isn't. No. But what's very interesting is that so the next clip is going back to. Uh, the person who will hereinafter be known as the father of Brexit, David Cameron, who was prime minister when the, uh, and called the referendum. You know, he's maintaining now it was against his better judgment, blah, 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 blah. Um, he, uh, he did a round of interviews on TV uh, hawking his book, um, which was called Stupid Things I've Done in My Life or something like that. And... Um, he said his publishers weren't going to publish it till after Brexit. And then that was three years later. They're going, well, we've got to get this off our books somehow. <laughs> you know, otherwise we're just going to be sitting on this thing. We'd just pulp the whole lot. Um, so they put it out. What's interesting is that he uses almost exactly the same language that uh, Boris does. He even starts it with frankly. Here we go. Frankly, I, I would say if people in Parliament had voted for the deal that Theresa May put together, we would have Brexited by now and perhaps we'd be in a position of of greater certainty. And I'd also say, in spite of the the difficult consequences that have followed, um, the British economy, after we left, continued to grow. Mm. We continued to get more people into work. Which is very odd. I don't know. I think he's been reading too much Robert Frost, you know, the road less travelled. So he's kind of... he, He said, so not only did he say what... Boris said, which is, if only you'd voted for that deal, it would have all happened by now and we'd be in a better, um, the, the certainty comes I mean, up. the first part um, is true. It's if if yeah. people had voted for the deal and agreed to do it, to, then we to, would have to done To leave, it. we would have left. That's, yeah. that's fair. But, yeah. but it was a terrible the, deal. 
So it wouldn't have yeah. resulted in good <laughs> things. It would have yeah. resulted in bad things. But then he goes <laughs> on to say, um, you know, maybe the certainty that everybody's saying, yeah, we would have certainty. Yeah, we, we're certainly going to be worse off. That's the <laughs> certainty. So we're certainly not going to have Elon Musk investing in our uh, country. And the other thing that he then goes on to, in this kind of weird alternative timeline, he actually says, and the presenters don't call him up on it, actually one of them goes, hmm, in agreement. Um, he says, despite the difficult consequences that followed, the British economy after we left continued to grow and we continued to get more people into work. Well, we haven't left and it hasn't grown. Yeah. So the, the, we, we didn't, so I don't know where the timeline he's living is. So he's actually living in this speculative, speculatory future. You know, the, the one where it got through, the economy's growing, all's well with the world. People are sufficiently well off to want to buy his autobiography. <laughs> and that's the thing. And actually, the um, I, I kind of fact-checked this, not using the, um, the, the Tory party's fake fact-check one, which we'll find out in about in a minute. Um the, the UK Financial Times did this little thing that says the UK economy in six charts. So you just kind of, since Brexit, what's gone on? And they say the economy hasn't improved, hasn't grown since it's got worse. We're now amongst the lowest performing economies in the uh, in the EU. We were amongst the highest before the referendum. Um and the other thing is he says they say he's not that wrong about employment going up, um, but it looks like that's due to an increase in self-employment because people have gone into business because they can't find a job with an employer. So it's a, a kind of an artificial rise. Um, and he's, it's odd that he's still claiming that everything's fine, even though we haven't left. He's saying we have left and the the economy's grown anyway. And which then reminded me of a, there's a similar comment replying to a Remain voters comment on a John Redwood's blog and uh, John Redwood's a Brexiteer Tory MP, and they say if only you voted Leave, you would have been spared all this stress. <laughs> which and you can't. So the, basically, that the, the no, you wouldn't because you just swap your Remain stress for Leave stress. Um, so the people did vote to leave, and there is still stress. So it's, uh, and it was seen that the leavers have their own stress. So that's quite an interesting one, too. Um, the other, there's a couple of bonus examples I've came across on a uh, a tweet today. I think no, twenty first of November. Um, so there was an article in the. Uh, independent newspaper, which has spotted the second occurrence of the Conservatives doing dystopian digital warfare. Um, Basically, the Conservatives set up a fake website purporting to contain Labour's manifesto, which was launched on the 21st, uh, in a bid to trick voters looking for the document. Basically, they they paid Google to promote the website labourmanifesto.co.uk towards the top of its results for people searching for that plan. Um, in defence of that, the EU's own Brexit coordinator described it as a dystopian action and a Conservative Party spokesman said the party makes no apologising for highlighting what Jeremy Corbyn has made clear himself time and again, adding that he doesn't have a plan for Brexit and without that, he has no credibility on everything else. So I think that in terms of an argumentum ad speculum, 
is if only he had a plan for Brexit, then his other ideas would have credibility. And they they are not, that's not true because they have credibility on their own terms. They, the Conservatives are pushing this idea that because we don't know which way he's going to vote in the referendum that he is proposing to have on any new deal, a new referendum on which, which would be about, do you want to leave on these terms that we've just negotiated or do you want to remain? The, the Conservatives are maintaining that because we don't know how he's going to vote, then the rest of everything that he's got to say is nonsense. So they're speculating that he might vote to remain, in which case all of this manifesto is pointless because we would be in the EU, or he might vote to leave, in which case this manifesto is pointless because we'd be a lot worse off and we wouldn't be able to get all the money. So, um, And the in response to that, Mike Galsworthy, who is the founder of Scientists for EU, uh, tweeted... If the Conservatives thought Labour's manifesto was bad, they wouldn't feel compelled to divert audience from it. So they have kind of, uh, there's a nice little speculation there, Mm. because um, what they have done is you you click on uh, labourmanifesto.co.uk and it sends you off to a Tory party uh, site that says uh, Corbyn is going to tax the rich and... Um, spaff it all up the wall um, and he's saying well yeah if they thought it was bad why didn't they just point them at it to go and read it instead of sending them off and um, um, a friend of mine friend of the show uh, Gordon Charlton on Facebook posted today a similar thing he said when you've been the party in power for nine and a half years you don't need to slander belittle or smear the opposition you don't need to set up fake websites or falsify your twitter account or post doctored videos you don't need to deceive cheat or lie all you need to do is list your glorious achievements oh wait I give them all to you Then you'd love me Love me like you used to do It's just a fallacy A wild fallacy It's a fallacy It's a fallacy There you go, share there with um, If I Could Turn Back Time, which contains the fallacy of speculation, the speculative fallacy. If I could um, reach the stars and give them all to you, then you would love me like you used to. Yeah. No, it's an unche- no. no, it's an uncheckable thing, you know, and it, I mean, it was frankly, quite interesting. if you give someone all the stars, there's, yeah. they're going to be too busy being killed by the intense heat. <laughs> To, to love you at all so. yeah exactly and that you know they're not going to thank you for that really yeah. are they it would be inconvenient to have all the stars at the it, very least yeah. yeah it would it would i think if, if other... anything annoying really rather than <laughs> something that right. would make you love someone yeah, yeah a little bit irritating i mean you could you'd appreciate the gesture 
but you yeah, kind of go, thought. okay, fine. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, in absolutely. That scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit but like the 12 days speaking, of Christmas, you know. Very annoying. Yes, quite. The interesting thing about singing that was wearing the outfit that she wore on the deck of the destroyer. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. it was quite a bit pinchy. So that, hence my um, uh, going a bit pitchy there. But yeah, there we go. Yeah. So in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And this week, one of our first examples, in fact, is from Friends. And Yay! Uh, it's it, two clips from the same episode because this involves a brilliant callback joke. Uh, where mm-hmm. this is an episode where Chandler is smoking again and is a little bit irritable because uh, he's because the others are trying to get him to quit smoking, and it's the one where the gang goes. Uh, Ross is kind of slightly out in the cold from the rest of the friends. He's not part of the group mm-hmm. at this point because he and Rachel have had an argument. Uh, they they're all off going skiing without him, um, and uh, so the the beginning of the episode. Uh, they're talking about Ross, and this happens. Oh, that's great. With my luck, that's going to be him. Him? Him, Ross? Nope. Him, uh, 253. His eyes are on the sparrow. <laughs> my parents got divorced. when I started using humor as a defense mechanism. And then later on in the episode, <laughs> after the break, uh, the, the team are uh, they're broken down in Phoebe's cab, and uh, Joey has a plan. Relax, okay? I can get this open. Anybody got a coat hanger? Oh, I do. Oh, no. Wait a minute. I took it out of my shirt when I put it on this morning. So if your parents hadn't got divorced, you'd be able to answer a question like a normal person? (laughs) So there's no evidence (laughs) that if Chandler's parents hadn't got divorced, he'd be able to answer a question like a normal person. No, no. <laughs> even though he claims that his his using humor as a defense mechanism started at, with his parents' was divorce, purely as a result of yeah, yeah, it's yeah. entirely possible that he would still be a bit of a dick to his friends <laughs> if, <laughs> if his parents hadn't got divorced. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and our next example comes uh, from a film 2015 uh, interview with Steven Spielberg. If you hadn't made Jaws, would your career have still ended up in the same place, do you think, eventually? If I hadn't made a movie that was such a quantum success, I wouldn't have had the freedom to decide what movie I wanted to make next. I would have been a, a director for hire, attaching myself to projects that the studios had pre-approved, as opposed to creating my own projects and being able to get a studio to agree to finance a project that they didn't see eye to eye with me on. So Spielberg is doing the same thing that Trump did. Uh, in yeah. that he is saying what what happened was I made Jaws, it was a huge success, and then I was given the freedom to uh, to make the films I wanted to make. Mm. If I yeah. hadn't made Jaws, I wouldn't have had that freedom. And that's yeah. probably true immediately after that point. But But to suggest that he then would have become a director for hire doing what studios wanted him to do uh, ignores the possibility that having made a different film now after you know have it if jaws hadn't been such a mm. success but then he made something else which was very popular or or just an, having another route and people seeing the talent that he had would have led yeah. to him being able to make the films that he wanted to make like 1941 yeah yeah like that yeah, <laughs> but it, what's interesting is that it kind of it goes through this entire thing, and he has to. It becomes a kind of reported speech, and it's almost a comedic 
um, routine, isn't it? Because he goes to, you know, I won't, wouldn't have been able to get the funding for the things and the freedom to have the final edit, and we wouldn't have seen eye to eye. And, um, you know, Sam Goldwyn would have slammed the desk and poked his cigar in my face. And it gets, you know, it gets <laughs> more and more kind of ridiculous and more and more personal and individual and specific, even though it's all a reported uh, future and in yeah. in a comedy comedy situation that says more about the uh, the speaker than about the truth of what's being said. That's why I chose the next. So I chose a first in the world, and this is Pete Townsend on Sirius XM Radio. Quite recently, basically, he's on talking about the fact that he's got a new album out. In fact, at the at the end of this kind of long meandering thing that we're about to hear. He says, I've just got to butt in on myself. But prior to that, there's just this wonderful bit, which I um, noted down as he just gets lost in this speculation. There's so many different speculative arguments going on. And I'm not really quite sure that he ever gets to the point that he's trying to make, mainly because he interrupts himself in order to say, oh, yeah, what? I'm just going to interrupt myself. The reason I'm saying this doesn't get to the end of the argument, but he goes off on this fantastic flight of fantasy, and here it is. Imagine that the Beatles were still touring. Imagine that they were still making albums. Imagine that they were a band that continued to make records, like Tom Petty, for example, the late, wonderful Tom Petty, continued to make records. The Eagles or, you know, the Stones or anybody like that constantly trying to make records that and to perform and make music that came from their era, the period of their, their struggle and their breakthrough and their deepest experimentation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like, and I like the fact that without any irony at all, he's he's doing a whole bunch of imagines. He's inviting us to speculate that the Beatles were still performing and still making records, like Tom Petty, <laughs> who is dead. So <laughs> you kind of go, well, in a way, they are making records like Tom Petty because two of them are dead. <laughs> so they're still. In very making records in, yes. in the way that Tom Petty <laughs> is similarly making records. But and then you think, well, what's he, what's it? Then he's kind of going, okay, well, imagine that they're making, still making records, but they're still making records like they used to <laughs> when, when they were doing it back then. So, so what's your point? You know, what, what actually, what would be the point of the Beatles continually making records the same as, they were making them then. You want new stuff, surely. And, and it also glosses over the fact that Tom Petty, pardon me, did, did make lots of records actually with uh, members of the Beatles, ex-members of the Beatles. So they were making records. They did continue to make records. Paul McCartney still makes <laughs> records. A lot more records than Pete Townsend and The Who. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah. See, I've realised in the uh, in the true argumentum ad speculum um, that if only the choices had been less unclear, I would have been an astronaut by now. Yes. <laughs> so 
you're entirely to blame for my t- terrible Your NASA lack career. Of astronauting. Yeah. Uh, lack of astronaut. The fact that I failed to be spotted by NASA because the, if only the choices were clearer. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm going to. So this, I'm, I'm also going to apply what I'm now calling the Robert Frost razor <laughs> uh, in uh, in trying to choose the road less travelled, yeah. i.e. Getting it right for me, certainly that's the road less travelled. <laughs> yeah, you're currently on 14 out of 35, which is 40. Uh, percent I think. Is that right? Oh, yes, that's, that's a, exactly 40. percent That's so. a powerful score. Okay. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. round number. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the theme this week mm. is sports. In fact, oh, specifically okay. uh, NFL, um, right. because of of Trump's. Sometimes antagonistic <laughs> approach to NFL players, with, yes, and yeah. and, uh, and having been booed recently as he mm, attended yeah. games, which was quite yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um, so, but these these are uh, pretty much these ones are all going back a little while. So um, they're they're largely about the the controversy over kneeling at games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least the first two. So statement number one is about uh, Nike choosing Colin Kaepernick um, Mm -hmm. as their kind of front man. Trump said, I don't understand what Nike was thinking. They have this guy. He's not a good guy. He disrespects our flag, our beautiful, beautiful national anthem, our country, and they make him the star. And we don't like that. It's not smart business. And everyone knows I'm a very smart businessman. Mm -hmm. Okay. Statement number two. He was uh, accused of being preoccupied when mm. talking about uh, the all the kneeling in NFL yeah. games. And he said, to me, the NFL situation is a very important situation. I've heard that before about was I preoccupied. Not at all. Not at all. I have plenty of time on my hands. Mm. All I do is work. And to be honest with you, that's an important function of working. It's called respect for our country. Okay. All I do is work. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Statement number three is about yeah. how awful it is that they stop players from getting concussions. No, um, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he said, Yeah. I watched for a couple of minutes and two guys just a re- really a beautiful tackle. Boom, 15 yards. The referee gets on television. His wife is sitting at home. She's so proud of him. They're ruining the game, right? They're ruining the game. Hey, look, that's what they want to do. They want to hit, okay? They want to hit. Okay, so he's he's confusing health and safety with political correctness there. <laughs> okay, yeah, and the fact that they wear those helmets can't help. I mean, you know, if you didn't wear a helmet, you wouldn't get the rebounds from inside and everything. Yeah, mm, okay. Uh, uh, all right, his wife sitting at home, she's so proud of him, they're in the game. Yeah, that's, that is, it. yeah, he generally doesn't like, Stuff that's that's uh, political, politically correct. It's all gone. It's gone mad. Um, don't worry about that. This guy is not a good guy. He disrespects our flags. They make him the star. It's not a part of business. What we, what you want is a curmudgeonly ex-reality TV show host to be a star. Very important decision. I heard it before. I was preoccupied. Not at all. Plenty of time. Okay. Mm, right. Oh, mm, oh, mm. 
you see it's the beautiful beautiful national anthem is very it's very trump therefore it could be very well observed by you and <laughs> therefore designed to trick me uh, as is the repeat of not at all not at all mm, all i do is work to be honest with you, the support function of work is called respect for our country uh, mm, i was preoccupied Ah, so for me, I mm, ooh, okay. I'm going to plump for. I think oh, everyone knows a fresh part businessman. See, um, does he ever say that out loud? Uh, okay, I mm, I think number one is the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, yep. which are you more confident about? Uh, number three. Okay. So, yeah. Number three, yeah, is yeah, real. Oh, got watched for a couple of minutes, and two guys just really beautiful tackle. Boom! Fifteen yards. The referee gets on television. His wife is sitting at home. She's so proud of him. They're ruining the game, right? They're ruining the game. Hey, look, that's what they want to do. They want to hit. Okay, they want to hit. <laughs> It's just what is it? He's like he is a uh, he's a he's a commentator for a football game, isn't yeah. he? It's that kind well, of stuff. Really boom, fifteen yards, yeah, football commentator, yeah, but yeah, or he's one just, that he's or, complaint. He thinks that referees give penalties because so that their wife can sit at home. And yeah, go, oh look, he's so given he, a penalty. He because he gets <laughs> on television. Yeah, and it, like it's important for people to get on television. It's important for him oh, to get God. on television. So therefore, he thinks everybody else needs to get on television. But you know, it could well be that they broke the rules or yeah. they did something that yeah, in the rules of the game were illegal. That, yeah, that say yeah. you can't do, um, you know, tackling too high or that kind of stuff because it's mm. dangerous. Yeah, and they're trying to protect so people. The rules. So we know, we know that he's all about sticking to the rules. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, and, and the and the people just you know they they invent the rules in order to thwart the the spirit of the game. That's you know like they've invented the rules of democracy in order to thwart the ordinary um, man on the street becoming president. So you also think that number two is real? Uh, I do, yes. And number two... Yes. ...is... Yes. ...real. Uh, to me, oh. the NFL situation is a very important situation. I've heard that before about was I preoccupied. Not at all. Not at all. I have plenty of time on my hands. All I do is work. <laughs> and to be honest with you, that's an important function of working. It's called respect for our country. It's, it's, it's not, not at all. I have plenty of time in my hands. It's not, it's all I do is nonsense. work. Yeah. yeah. And then he realizes, going, yeah. oh, oh, no. So actually, that's the important function of working <laughs> is being preoccupied by football. <laughs> And because I have plenty what? of time on my hands because all yeah. I do is work. All I do is work. <laughs> what? Well, if you, hmm? So that by by inference, then, the work that you do it is, it doesn't take any time. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all I do is work, but I've got plenty of time on my hands. Uh, okay. Yeah. What is it that you do for work, then? Oh, I know, tweet. <laughs> yeah. It's very important. Respecting yeah. the country. He full-time he, respects the country. Yeah, that's, he does that. <laughs> it's an important function where he spends no, uh, nothing, 
nothing but respect to the world. We know because he, you know, flag he will hug a flag at a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Which means that oh. number one is, is fake news. Ah, and, and uh-huh. you, I now uh-huh. I can't take the credit this week. Oh, okay. For, yeah. for this loss, because yeah. uh, these... <laughs> That's a very Trump press agent <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> because these quotes were actually suggested by a listener. Hey! Um, they were submitted by a friend of the show, Chris Cole, uh, hey. who, who thought it was about time we had some sports-related quotes. And, nice. Uh, yeah, Good work, he Chris. submitted these. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, it didn't, didn't fool you. No, um, see that, but, <laughs> now are yeah. you made? Are you now maintaining by inference that if you had written it, there you go, <laughs> your speculative yeah, see, thing. If you had written it, then I would have not spotted you would, that. You would have been on th- fourteen out of thirty-six now, but in exactly, fact, yeah, fifteen out of 36. fifteen out of thirty-five, thirty-six, uh, yeah, thirty-six, yeah, which is for nearly forty-two percent. Oh, I say, um, yeah, and wow, um, since that. Made up quote was about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, yep. Might as well mention Colin Kaepernick's coming back because he's been doing kind of uh, well. He's he had a trial at, uh, with the NFL, a workout at least, where he mm. showed that his his arm is still good. He's been he's been um, practicing. He's been keeping in shape, and apparently two NFL teams are interested in uh, in drafting him. So ah, good for great him. stuff. And how's his knee? Uh, I think his knee's. Pretty pretty good for kneeling on. Pretty, so, pretty bendy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, good to know. What will happen if that? I mean, he's probably going to kneel again. So we'll see. Yeah. It's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called "Televised Hearings Are Not a Logical Fallacy." Oh my god, this has been so exciting, <laughs> isn't it? Wow. We've had over the last two weeks, we've had five days of testimony, twelve witnesses, uh lots of stuff that we kind of already knew because we read yep. the 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 um transcripts of the closed door testimonies that were released by the Democrats. Well, by the House Intelligence Committee, I should say, yep. rather than by the Democrats, because although the Democrats are in charge of the committee. There were plenty of Republicans on there. Republicans on there, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we've, so we've seen a lot of the information, but there was also new information that came out this uh, this week and last week. And oh, God, yeah. It's, I mean, the, the Republicans are desperately trying to spin it in, mm. in their favour and failing mm. dramatically and amusingly. And it's... And, <laughs> It's the, the the kinds of defences they're coming up with are quite kind of they're bit, they basically hail mary defences. They're not they're not yep. really any. I can't imagine anyone thinks that they're going to actually be successful or thinks they are being successful. But the most important thing is that they pretend that they're being successful. Because yeah, yeah. That that makes it true. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they do. Yeah, they are living the uh, uh, in the speculative future, yeah. aren't they? They're living in a hypothetical saying. world where no one yeah. is listening to all the bad things that people are saying about Trump. No, yeah, yeah, and they're just just listening to what they're saying, 
and all of their arguments as to why you know the the, the things are insubmissible as evidence because people are drinking too much water <laughs> or anything like that or wearing fantastic glasses i was yeah. completely taken with uh, uh, William Taylor's glasses. They're brilliant, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I want kind of a pair of those. Wire I know. It's really It's so good. Yeah, that and um, uh, George Kent's bow tie. I want that. That is now my impeachment <laughs> outfit. I've, I wear that whenever I'm watching it. And the whole Sondland bombshell was great, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just um, yeah. beautifully delivered. And you kind of go, Oh, oh dear. Right. Well, that's yeah, quite a so minute. This, was, this is kind of new information. Sondland previously had had testified um, initially that there wasn't any quid pro quo. Mm. And then Bill Taylor testified in the closed door testimony. Uh, and Sondland went back and said, oh, my memory's been refreshed by, <laughs> by Taylor's testimony. In fact, there was a yep. quid pro quo. Yes. Now I now I remember that I don't want to go to prison for perjury. Yeah. And... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. That slipped my mind before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and in the in the televised testimony, uh, the hearings this week, uh, Sondland did in his opening statement make it very clear that there was a quid pro quo. Uh, yeah. That that everyone knew about it in the White House. Everyone was in the loop. He he brought a um uh, an email that he had sent to multiple people, including Pompeo and and Rick Perry and various others. This was in advance of the July 25th phone call with Trump. Uh, mm. He he emailed them to say that, that uh, Zelensky knows that he needs to convince Trump that they are going to do investigations um, and and that will result in a good phone call. Um, and a, a beautiful phone call. Yep. Yeah, a perfect yep. one uh, yep. in the end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but, but from Bill Taylor's testimony um, at the end of the, the first week of uh, hearings. One of, in fact, the first day of hearings included the the kind of new information that Sondland in a, a cafe in Kiev had spoken to to Trump on the phone, and there were a couple of Taylor staffers, or at least David Holmes, one of Taylor staffers there, and another person who was also come forward and, and said yes, this did happen. That Sondland called called Trump on his cell phone from Kiev mm-hmm. and. They, they had a discussion about the investigations. Trump asked how they were going. And um, and then having hung up the phone, David Holmes asked Sondland uh, what Trump thought about Ukraine. And Sondland said he didn't really care about Ukraine. All he cared about was big stuff like the investigations into Biden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so good. Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> Basically, everything seems to be pointing to... Um, Giuliani being the one who has told Sondland what to say and what to do and what uh, what the requirements are and what what the what Zelensky had to do in order to get a meeting with Trump and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, little of it apparently, uh, according to Sondland, came directly from Trump. It came mm-hmm. from Giuliani, but but Sondland says that Trump had told him to speak to Giuliani about this. And yeah. when that happens, when the president says, speak to this guy and this guy tells you stuff, you assume it's coming from the president. Yeah. So yeah. The Otherwise, why are, would you go talk to him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Republicans are jumping on that desperately saying, look, Trump didn't specifically say I'm mm. criming. To, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm doing bribery. 
Um, uh, in fact, what they've jumped on I'm, is I'm is, yeah. is a um, uh, a phone call that Trump had with some someone where Trump specifically said, "I am not doing quid quid pro quo. I don't want mm-hmm. anything." Um, yeah. The, the the thing that they seem to have missed about that is that that happened in September, just yeah. as everything was becoming public. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, <laughs> after everything yeah. else had happened. Yeah. So that wasn't with, his with initial his, instruction his, to Sunderland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was him afterwards saying, don't tell anyone I'm doing a quid pro quo, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't that, want any of this. Yeah. With my yeah, that, sharp that, with his sharpie <laughs> crib sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That phone call yeah. apparently happened a couple of days after the one where he said that he told Sondland that Zelensky needed to get in front of a microphone and announce that he was doing investigations into Burisma. Right. So, yep. Yep. who do you believe? Trump mm. or Trump two days later after it looked like he was going to be found out? <laughs> yeah. Hard to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is that kind of that the, the, the thing for me is that the Republicans are, they're almost implying, well, you know what, there isn't a smoking gun like there was for Nixon. You know, it's yeah. kind of going, this isn't as bad as the other bad guy, <laughs> so it can't be all that bad. I mean, but, you know, with Nixon, it was really bad. So this is this is just bad. But it's still, impe- yeah. it's still impeachable they've, stuff. They've tried so many different defences. They've tried mm. saying that um, all of this is hearsay because none of them were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which isn't what yeah. hearsay means. No, um, uh, and several of the people who have testified, including uh, Jennifer Williams and uh, Alex Vinwood, incidentally, last time, last episode, I mm-hmm. I inadvertently promoted Lieutenant Colonel Vindman's general. Yeah, uh, sorry oh, okay. for that. And I also yeah. said that he had served several ambassadorships. When what I meant was that he had served in embassies, not as ambassador. So uh, okay, I made a we'll have to, we'll have to but, take a couple of pips off his shoulder. Yes, yes. So, um, so uh, yeah, he'll uh, be writing Colonel, to his lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, and uh, Pence's um, uh, security advisor uh, Jennifer Williams, and various others who did testify were on the call on July twenty fifth and heard mm-hmm. what Trump said heard the um inappropriate unusual as they as they characterized mm, it mm. um requests that that trump yep. made that it concerned domestic policy not foreign policy and um th- that's not hearsay <laughs> where no hearsay legally requires a an out of court statement that is being introduced in order to prove the truth of the statement right so if someone said i killed him and in court you say he said he killed him <laughs> yeah, that can't yeah. be used to prove he killed him yeah but it can be used to prove he said he did mm. because because you're not using it to prove the truth of the statement you're just using it to yeah. say yes i heard him say this that's yeah. okay that's not yeah. hearsay it doesn't it's yeah. not it doesn't need to fall into one of the 23 exceptions to hearsay that there are <laughs> that would allow hearsay to be introduced in a criminal trial. Yeah. Because it isn't hearsay if it's not yeah. being required to prove the truth of the statement. So all of and the, the people the who said, I heard, heard Trump say this. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, doesn't isn't you can't, say. <laughs> you can't just just squash that down into one portmanteau word <laughs> into hearsay. Yeah, yeah, I heard what he said. Yeah, so, oh, well, that's just hearsay. No, yeah. I can hear what you're saying. Doesn't mean that's hearsay. Yeah. And one of our Twitter followers, Curtis Franks, asked if this was equivocation or if there was another specific kind of fallacy that that falls into mm. of using using hearsay essentially to mean I heard him say that. Ah, ah <laughs> um, nice. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of think, yes, maybe there's a bit of equivocation in there. I think mm. also it's mm. just basically an ambiguity fallacy. It's basically saying it, it's, it's stretching a meaning to... to yeah to mean because they're, they're not using if equi- for equivocation they'd really kind of need to be using hearsay in two different ways to mean two different mm, things mm. they're they're just trying to stretch the accepted meaning of hearsay because to include hearing yeah, to include people say anything things. people hear pe- yeah. things say uh yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah so like like the um you know the the ukraine premier heard trump say to him <laughs> dig up some stuff on the Bidens or we yeah. don't get any money, you know, that kind of stuff. Is that hearsay or did, did I just hear you say that? Yeah. yeah. Mm, yes. <laughs> so Republicans Good. have also tried to claim that this is only attempted bribery <laughs> because, <laughs> right. because, because Trump it didn't actually happen. Because yeah. on the 11th yes. of September, after the whistleblower case, uh, the case came out, um, yeah. the, the funds were released and Zelensky yeah. never got to the point of actually announcing an investigation into the Bidens. It didn't yeah. happen, therefore there's no crime. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically like <laughs> saying the bomb I planted was found before it went off, therefore I'm fine. Yeah. I'm not I'm yeah. I'm not I'm guilty not of anything. A bomber. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh I, well, yeah, I was I was in the book repository with a rifle trained on the uh, the open top car, but I didn't I didn't shoot him. Somebody shoot else him. shot him. Somebody so, else did it. So therefore, I'm not guilty of conspiring to shoot anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Congressman John Ratcliffe suggested that uh, it was important that none of the witnesses he got out all of the kind of transcripts of the witnesses mm. and slammed them down on the table and said none mm. of them had mentioned bribery. Uh, like none of them had said the word bribery. Word bribery, yeah. Or bribe. Therefore, you know. It's it's not bribery. Yeah, yeah. He's not guilty of anything because yep. that's a requirement yep. in a legal case is that the witnesses specify the exact the crime. Crime that they're doing, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, well, he was a killer. He killed him. <laughs> With, didn't with say murder. Said, didn't, didn't say, say murder. murder. So, didn't say murder. Yeah. So he's not guilty of murder. Yeah. yeah. In the first um, degree. Yeah. Various people have tried to say Democrats have moved on from quid pro quo because quid pro quo didn't work. Um, and mm-hmm. now they've moved on to bribery. Mm-hmm. But that's not a thing because quid pro quo is part of bribery. Yes. <laughs> All they've exactly, done is they've clarified yeah. the legal crime that he committed. That- for, they've what, gone from here is the evidence, the evidence includes the quid yeah. pro quo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, when um, when Nancy uh, did a press conference, uh, uh, talked about the fact that from the evidence, as far as she was concerned, he committed bribery. She was asked if they thought that, that although the Democrats were saying that they hadn't kind of made a decision on mm. whether impeachment was going to go forward, whether actually it was a kind of foregone conclusion and... and uh, she said, "No, this is this is still in the inquiry stage," and and yeah. she brilliantly trolled Trump. Um, <laughs> she she said this. 
it's called an inquiry. And if the president has something that is exculpatory, Mr. President, that means you have anything that shows your innocence, then uh, he should make that known. And that's part of the inquiry. That's <laughs> And she looked at the camera as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr. President, you're watching <laughs> that long word there. Yeah. That means, yeah. <laughs> yeah so good. the Democrats have shifted to talking about bribery. They apparently, I, I don't know whether this is true, but the, the lots of reports have said that they had a focus group that, that asked people whether they should be continuing to say quid pro quo or saying bribery. Mm-hmm. And and so Republicans are saying, look, they're even asking people what they should call it. And then they've gone with whatever the most popular thing was. It's 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 they're calling it bribery because that's the law. Um, yeah. It also helps that that is specifically in the Constitution as one of the things you can impeach someone for. Right. But it yep. but it is that bribery is the law that he broke. He, he mm. requested a thing of value in return yep. for it affecting his decision on doing his job, yeah. which was to release the, the aid and to have a meeting yep. with Zelensky. Yep. So, and, and he would release the aid if he gave him the information and he would get a meeting with him if he gave him or if he got them to dig up stuff about Biden. Well, if he, if he and, made a And if he, he didn't, didn't even, he wouldn't. Yeah. One of the things in Sondland's testimony was that um, he didn't even necessarily need to get information. He didn't need to get evidence. Mm. What he mm. needed to do was publicly announce that he was doing an investigation. Looking for it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Trump knows from the boost he got in the polls when uh, James Comey announced that the FBI, was, FBI were en- investigating Hillary. He knows that that is useful to him. He knows that that yep. is a thing of value that he gets in terms of, of running against someone if someone announces there's an investigation into them. So yeah. that's what he wanted, was to get an, inve- uh, an announcement that the Ukrainians were investigating Biden. Also, yeah. um, <laughs> in, in, in a kind of, I think probably the most desperate, Jim Jordan, who for some reason that no one quite understands, the Republicans kind of changed things to get Jim Jordan onto the House Intelligence Committee in -hmm. advance of these hearings, as if that was going to make any difference. Mm -hmm. Um, He he suggested in what seems like a kind of evidence weather balloon thing to (laughs) that what Trump was doing was testing Zelensky to see if he was corrupt by asking him to do this. Right, which is bizarre. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of say it's kind of admitting that the that the request was corrupt. Yeah, but saying, well, I was just I was just testing him. I was I, yeah, know, I wasn't actually going to go forward with it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Which itself is a, in, a speculative argument, isn't yeah, it? It doesn't that, fit in with yeah. any of the rest of their no. case at all. No, that's that's so, another Giuliani kind of. Uh, it's not a crime, and even if yeah. it was a crime, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a criminal act, we, uh, and, and it wasn't a crime because he didn't do it. But even if he did, yeah, that's just what the hell? Yeah. That's such the you know, the kind of the the slicing of the nuances are getting <laughs> so thin that you can see straight through them. But yeah, the thing is, they have absolutely no response to the facts of the case. They they mm. can't. Mm. Um, all of the people who they claim would be able to give evidence that is exculpatory um, 
uh, are the people who are not allowed to testify. And basically yeah. what they're asking you to, to believe is that all the people who have agreed to testify under oath are lying, and all the people who haven't agreed who to testify them, under yeah. oath are telling, telling the, the truth. truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Particularly when the, the very ones who are giving the most excoriating, Mr. President, that means, yeah, <laughs> um, testimony, are Republicans. Yeah. You know, who work for Trump. Well, you know, so they're, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're either Republicans or they are career civil servants mm. who, are, yep. who are either registered Republicans or have, have worked for Bush and, and, and or who agreed to come back into civil service specifically yep. to work for, in work the Trump, Trump administration. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And including people like Vindman, who who was still working in the White House, and and people like Jennifer Williams, who works with for Mike Pence, who, mm. who Trump called him a never Trumper, despite the fact yep. he is one of Mike Pence's He's senior a, one of his always security advisors. Yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. And all yeah. they have basically is ad hominems. All they yeah. can can do is just attack the people. Instead Which is exactly what Trump did, isn't it? Mid testimony from. For, for Yovanovitch. Uh, yeah, for Marie, yeah. Marie Yovanovitch, yeah. She, In the middle of it. He, witness tampered in real time. Yeah, so he's got a, He's doing impeachable offences in defence <laughs> of his impeachment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's kind of trying to produce exculpatory evidence, you know, to <laughs> stop the impeachment by doing other impeachable things. Which is just amazing, and and a term of my favourite, one of my favourite bits was Yovanovitch's um, uh, careful avoidance of shifts leading the witness. There was a bit where he kind of leant, leant forward and opened his eyes a bit. Um, he's saying, "Well, that's quite that's quite intimidating, isn't it?" And she carefully, or oh, it's meant to intimidate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She said, it, he went, said I, she said it's intimidating. He said it's designed to intimidate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she and he said, I don't know what's so, yeah. in the president's mind, but it yeah. was certainly intimidating. It was very carefully responded to because, in a way that you, in a very Muller esque kind of way, actually, that you think you've got to be careful what you say there, otherwise it, it leaves it open for the Republicans <laughs> to say, oh, well, Schiff's leading the witness there. Yeah. Absolutely, she, she didn't. Yeah, 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 and she handled that really well. And in fact, one of the other one of the Republicans' other uh, tactics has been to say, "Well, these witnesses, um, ref, you know, they like Ratcliffe said they haven't they haven't said bribery. Um, mm. They've said you know they asked uh, George Kent and Bill Taylor what did he do that was impeachable, and they didn't have an answer for that. Um, well, they mm. did have an answer for it, and the answer was that's not what we've been called to testify about, basically." We're yeah. not lawyers yeah. telling you what you should impeach someone for. Yeah. We're telling yeah. you what happened. You have to make yeah. that decision. And, yeah. and yeah, exactly suggesting the, the that argument these, these they people aren't making Mueller. a legal decision on stuff. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. That's, which is how kind of Muller was treated by them as well. And he, and, and he quite correctly said, well, it's not up to me yeah. to uh, make, to lay these charges. That is obviously the, the legal system to do that. I'm just, yeah reporting my report uh yeah so, so it was, yeah it was a couple of weeks it was five days of testimony it was it was there were some very powerful people testifying very clearly patriotic strong important intelligent uh people who who were clearly trying to do the right things some of them mm. uh, fiona hill particularly stood out as mm. someone who who was 
really, really strong in her testimony. It was really yeah. clear yeah. about what she was saying. She was she her kind of one of the key things that stood out for me in her was was saying that she had listened to Gordon Sondland's testimony and actually kind of um, realized something she hadn't realized before, which was that when he was not uh, coordinating with the people who were doing foreign policy in Ukraine, actually Mm. he was doing the right thing by not coordinating with them because he wasn't Mm. doing foreign policy. He was doing domestic policy. He was an errand boy, basically. He was doing a domestic political errand and he shouldn't have been getting involved with with Fiona Hill and and Bill Taylor because they Mm. were trying to do the US's foreign policy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he was running a specific political errand for the president. So yeah, they were on, on mm. different paths doing mm. different things. I've got yeah. I've got American friends that are particularly impressed by Fiona Hill, and also that she, uh, in her background, was saying that she couldn't have got as far as she has in American politics in British politics because of her uh, kind of lowly background. You know, she's kind of worked her way up through the ranks. Um, and she wouldn't have had that opportunity in the UK, which is kind of testimony to anyone can be the president kind Absolutely. of stuff, ironically. Yeah. Which taken is every, quite... Anyone can be the president a bit too far. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's quite, yeah, it's quite deliciously ironic that somebody who's, you know, come from a lowly, not that Trump ever came from a lowly background, but mm-hmm. she's come from somewhere and uh, grasped the opportunity afforded her by being in the US to reach the office that she's got. And she's doing it down to, you know, the the president that anybody can become, which is, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, the uh, testimony has now taken a break. The con- Congress have broken for Thanksgiving and um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. Mm. Um, Pelosi mm. has said it's not over. Um, but we don't. They they haven't scheduled any more public hearings at the moment, or any more um, witnesses at least. So we wait now to find out what what happens yeah. next. Um, yeah. And uh, they could take a vote on whether to to impeach now, uh, but I think that they will probably wait and gather more evidence and more witnesses. But to be honest, mm-hmm. it seems pretty clear what went on. It doesn't seem to be a lot of doubt. Um, and everyone is everyone is saying the same thing. Largely, everyone is is yeah. Um, there, there's not there's not a lot of disagreement between witnesses. And I think it's because they're realizing the 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 enormity of the wrongdoing that would that had gone on, and they are freed from what must have been a very intimidating atmosphere. You know, they they've got the chance now to speak freely with impunity. Under the protection of the inquiry, so you know that's who knows how many people are going to get thrown under the bus by Trump. I, I just wonder how long Giuliani's going to last. And uh, yeah, well, he's already under investigation, apparently. Mm. So, mm. and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. It's good news, bad news for Trump associate Roger Stone this week. The good news is the gag order on him talking about his court case is no longer in effect. The bad news is that's because he's been found guilty on all counts of obstruction of justice, witness tampering and making false statements to the House Intelligence Committee and faces up to 50 years in prison. 
is not a huge surprise, since the prosecution provided a huge amount of documentary evidence and specifically mentioned that he has a tattoo of Richard Nixon's face on his back in their closing arguments, while his defence rested without calling a single witness. <laughs> Some say Stone is holding out hope that Trump will pardon him, but he picked a bad week to be convicted. Trump's got more important things on his mind right now, so I guess it was good news, bad news, really bad news. Previously vowing never to settle the case, charitable philanthropist, sorry, philanderer, Donald J. Trump has been ordered to fork over $2 million to resolve a case brought by the state of New York into Trump FME using the Trump Foundation and the funds donated thereto for a shocking pattern of illegality, including unlawful coordination with the Trump presidential campaign and repeated and willful self-dealing, well, as the saying goes, do what you know best. Oh, and also, charity begins at home, as does having to pay the sins of the father, even unto the next generation. Faith, hope and charity. And the greatest of these is comeuppance. Yeah, my favourite thing about that is actually the um, settlement required him not only to pay the $2 million, but also to admit wrongdoing. So they have to stick yeah. in court they have done <laughs> the wrong thing. And yeah. now they are no yeah. longer allowed to run a charity because they're crooks. And the Trump yep. children had to agree to training, basically, in order to, wow. to be trained not to be shit at this stuff. <laughs> trained <laughs> not to be crooks. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of, yeah. Trained not to ignore the fact that the law's been broken. Yeah. When Giuliani Associates and Ukrainian Cabbage Patch Kids Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman were arrested trying to flee the country, Trump pulled his usual trick of disavowing any knowledge of them, like his entire leadership style is based on the voice on the tape at the beginning of Mission Impossible. <laughs> Apparently, Trump saying, I don't know those gentlemen, hurt poor Lev's feelings, as he's now fired his lawyer, John Dowd, who you might remember from formerly being Trump's oh, yeah. lawyer, and agreed to testify in the impeachment inquiry. Parnas says, on Giuliani's instructions, he and Freeman met with President Zelensky's aide and told him that unless they agreed to announce an investigation into the Bidens, the military aid would not be released, and even worse, Mike Pence wouldn't come to his inauguration party. <laughs> Adopting the somewhat familiar tone of trying to shake down an ally as part of a scheme that resembles a protection racket... Our friends are uncomfortable with our demands, so we decided to stop talking to them until they agreed to pay us billions of dollars. Trump, who's never understood the value of having a US presence, hmm, seven seconds from North Korea's nascent nuclear missile arsenal, is demanding a fivefold increase in the price to South Korea for the pleasure of having the US stationed troops there. Whilst they currently pay $1 billion for the privilege, he apparently plucked $4.7 billion out of thin air. And when the South Koreans not surprisingly expressed a little reluctance to having to find another four or so billion from their national economy, the Americans walked away from the table. Meanwhile, north of the DMZ, Little Rocket Man is not convinced that the US is wholly ending its hostile policy towards North Korea when cancelling joint military exercise with South Korea. Way to go, Donnie, pissing off the good witch of the South and the wicked witch of the North in one go. It's just as well he's got good relations with the East and the West, or he'll have no friends on Earth whatsoever. Oh, no, wait a minute, hang on. <laughs> Don Jr.'s book, Triggered, was released last week, and while some are saying Jr. isn't smart enough to write a book, I think that's unfair. Mostly because you don't have to be smart to write something like this about your visit to Arlington National Cemetery. 
As we drove past the rows of white grave markers in the gravity of the moment, I had a deep sense of the importance of the presidency and a love of our country. In that moment, I also thought of all the attacks we'd already suffered as a family and about all the sacrifices we'd have to make to help my father succeed. The narcissistic shit really doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Junior has appeared on primetime TV multiple times to promote his book about how the left are silencing him, not to mention his nationwide book tour, which included an event where he was booed off the stage by Trump supporters for not being enough of a bigoted asshole. <laughs> he can take some comfort in hitting number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, but it's cold comfort thanks to the dagger-shaped asterisk nest to the title that tells everyone it's only at the top thanks to bulk purchases from as-yet-unknown sources. I would have said it was Trump Sr., but there's no way he cares enough about any of his children to spend that kind of money. Well, maybe a vanker. But no, it turns out it's the RNC, which gave away a signed copy for every $50 donation. They spent almost $100,000 on copies of Little Donnie's scribbles. Trump press secretary number 257, we must be up to. Stephanie Grisham declared, why is everyone so sensitive? When she had to backtrack over lies, she told about there being notes left behind by the Obama administration that said, you will fail, you aren't going to make it. And in the press office, there was a big note taped to the door that said that you will fail. Members of the Obama administration rebutted her bald-faced lies and took to Twitter to share copies of what nice things they actually said to the incoming administration. In preparing us for laying the blame for the failure of the entire Trump saga at Obama's feet too, what Grisham has perhaps inadvertently revealed is the clairvoyance of those working for Obama, who thereby even now continue to bring the audacity of hope in a Trumpian dystopia. Stephanie's had a busy week since last Saturday when she released a statement about Trump's totally normal, run-of-the-mill, last-minute, unscheduled trip to Walter Reed National Military Medical Centre. Grisham claimed that the trip, which pool reporters were told not to announce until the president had arrived at the hospital, was just Donald taking advantage of a slow weekend to get a head start on some portions of his routine annual physical exam. You know how sometimes you're at home on a Saturday and you think, hey, it's been eight months since I had my last annual checkup. Why don't I head over to the hospital and do part of next year's now to get it out of the way? Yeah. Never ones to see the value of consistency in a lie. The White House then released a memo from Trump's doctor calling the visit a routine planned interim checkup, despite the fact that it was, unlike all other such checkups, not on his schedule. <laughs> There has been some speculation that Trump is laying the groundwork for resigning on medical grounds, but I say how dare people suggest that Trump plans ahead for something. <laughs> Brilliant. You remember the fence I built the summer before last, which cost a billionth of the price of Trump's Mexican border wall? Turns out that not only could a Girl Scout scale mine just as easily as his, but the cutting through it with an electric power saw, which I had to do to replace a panel recently... Not because of the Girl Scout getting a head start, we used a hammer for that, but because a car damaged one of them, cutting through that is just as easy as cutting through Trump's. Smugglers have been down to Home Depot and bought a cordless jigsaw and passed goods through the resultant hole. Undaunted old double-down Donald now says, we have a very powerful wall, but no matter how powerful, you can cut through anything in all fairness, but we have a lot of people watching which makes you think, why do you bother with the wall at all? Just have the people who watch. Mm -hmm. Or is it that the people crossing the border need to be spending some time drilling or climbing so that the people watching 
can actually see them. Don't anyone tell Trump diamonds are really difficult to cut or Congress will be shut down again negotiating a new budget. Presumably reasoning that 24-hour cable news plus the occasional butt-dialed phone call doesn't give him enough opportunities to confess to crimes, Trump's personal attorney and Halloween potato Rudy Giuliani has announced that he's thinking about starting a podcast to talk about the impeachment hearings. Back off, Rudy. We and 17,000 other people were here first. Actually, I take that back. Please, Rudy, do it. If only for the possibility, let's face it, likelihood, that you'll accidentally upload some incriminating phone calls between you and Trump. Halloween potato. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Ah, Boris. 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 They seek him here, they seek him there. It's been a period of sporadic appearances by the damned elusive blonde Pimpernel... We are now in full electioneering mode and also winter flooding hitting the north of England, because of which Boris was invited, after five days of non-appearance, to declare a national emergency by none other than Jeremy Corbyn himself and thus evoke national bodies to respond, turning up in the affected zones the grateful and relieved general public asked, well, where have you been, Boris? And one old woman described him as an asshole on national TV. After appearing on time on a TV debate with Corbyn, he turned down the follow-up debate on another TV channel and even failed to turn up to the hustings in his own constituency. Remember, that's the one where he was called a toe rag by another old woman. Meanwhile, his party had been pretending not to be the Conservative Party, appearing to be an independent fact-checking service instead when they changed the Tory party's own Twitter account into an account called Fact Check UK in order to trash Corbyn's statements during the said TV debate by spouting Tory propaganda as fact. And, as we've heard earlier, they also bought the domain labormanifesto.co.uk to further appear to be more things that they're not. So, even if people do vote for him and he does get in, you can guarantee that he will continue to not really be what he appears to be, except for the uncaring, self-serving, power-crazed, amoral twat that he's always been. Ah, he really does appear to be Trump. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can also support us and get some great Christmas presents for the Trump haters in your life by going to our tea Public store at fallaciousTrump.com slash tea, which is T-E-E, where you can find lots of pro-impeachment and anti-bad stuff-themed clothing. All this week and next week there's a Thanksgiving slash Black Friday sale on, so stock up for holidays in a way that also helps out your favourite fallacy-themed podcast. Uh, my current favourite on there, us too, is uh, Make All World Fiction Again. Really <laughs> like that one. And, um, and I colluded with the Russians, and all I got was this loudy T-shirt and the presidency. I love the fact that the presidency is after the T-shirt. Second, yeah. yeah, yeah, second to a lousy T-shirt. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That and the um, the the whole anyone can become a president thing has gone way too far. Yeah, great. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Felicia's Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>